Welcome to another episode of the Who Day Talk podcast, everyone. As usual, you have me, your host, Jay, along with Braden, who isn't with us today. However, today is an extra special day, as this is the inaugural episode of the new and improved Who Day Talk podcast, which you can now follow on Twitter at Who Day Talk Pod. While we're at it, make sure to follow me on Twitter at J-A-Y-R-B-P and Braden on Instagram at Bengals underscore NFL. So if you've been paying attention to our social media, you know that we've onboarded Jake Circus and Blake Jewell from the Bengals Report podcast. Jake is a reporter with KOMU Sports and a draft analyst for the Right Way Sports Network. You can follow him on Twitter at Jake Circus. And Blake is a writer with Sports Illustrated and All Bengals. He can be found on Twitter and Instagram at Blake Jewel NFL. That's B-L-A-K-E-J-E-W-E-L-L-N-F-L. Additionally, we've brought on another face, Mike. Despite being new to Bengals Twitter when it comes to the X's and O's, he's a seasoned veteran and will serve as our in-house schematic analyst. He can be found on Twitter at Bengals underscore Sands. Now, in terms of structure, nothing has changed. We are still proudly sponsored by Big Heads Media, and we are still the Who Day Talk podcast. This merger allows us to bring everyone better and more frequent content, and we are beyond excited. So let's get started. Jake, what's on the docket for today? So we're going to talk, obviously, offseason. First of all, myself and Blake, I think I can speak for both of us, saying we are very excited to do this. Um, our podcast was, we had, we had about seven or eight episodes and uh, kind of running out of guests. So this is perfect to merge because we, we kind of had Jay and, and Sands on a couple of times. So we're like, all right, why not just do this? And we're very excited to uh, be doing this probably every week, maybe even twice a week. We'll see when the season comes around. But uh, today we're going to be talking specifically about free agents and a little bit about um, Jamar Chase. Just just a little bit, though. But let's get right started into free agents now. Last year, the Bengals spent money in free agents. It was exciting. Uh, there should be no reason to think that they won't do the same thing, especially uh, Cap's not going down a crazy amount. So they should, and they're like top 10, I think, top 12 in, in Cap availability. So there should be no reason why they don't go out spend some guaranteed money, and improve the roster, which has many holes. But let's start on the offensive side. Now, we Blake and myself talked a little bit about the offensive tackle situation and, and whether or not they're going to realistically fix that in free agency and not the draft. A lot of it pertained to this being a very stacked offensive tackle draft class, not so much a very stacked offensive tackle free agent class. And when you combine that with the prices of, of rookies compared to 26-year-old free agents who are going to want more guaranteed money, it doesn't seem very realistic that the Bengals are going to dish out a bunch of guaranteed money to bring in a veteran offensive tackle, 26, 27 years old. So, Sand, I'll, I'll start with you. Give me your take on the offensive tackle spot. Because you weren't with yeah. us last, last week. Uh, yeah, so we obviously have a deficiency at right tackle. Um, Bobby Hart, probably not as bad as Twitter has you believe, but still a negative asset to have on your offensive line. There. And he's probably a cut candidate from everything I've seen. Um, I have interest in a lot of the free agents, but free agent tackle, I think Trent Williams, probably not coming here. It's going to cost somewhere around 20 million dollars a year and i think he's around 30 or so so he's up there in 30, age too 31 or 32 i believe 31 or 32 and probably have to get him for five years um taylor moton probably getting tagged from all the rumors so that leaves you with like aleandra villanueva 
if you watch Pittsburgh game two, which I've watched multiple times, um, I don't know why you'd really want him. He looks, he's looked done for a few years to me. I mean, he looks okay, but like, he's not the player he was when he had uh, Mike Munchak at offensive line coach. He's kind of regressed since then. Yeah, and just to jump in real quick, Trent Williams is going to be 33 next season. Yeah, the combination of money and lining up with our probable Super Bowl window, I don't think that's there. But uh, Russell Okung's interesting, but he's probably worth he's probably worth less than he's going to get on the open market just because he is a startable left tackle. And really, we don't need the left tackle. We just need a tackle because I think Jonah Williams is solid at left tackle and he could improve to even good or maybe even fringe pro bowl level next year. Daryl Williams is interesting to me. Um, a little older as well. He used to be better than he is now, but he's still pretty solid for Buffalo last year, helped uh, Josh Allen and the gang make the AFC championship game. Uh, specifically, I remember he shut down TJ Watt in a, big Monday night football game. Yeah, and he's only going to be 29 uh, coming into next season. So, I mean, older, yes, but for a tackle, I think their shelf lives are kind of into their mid-30s. So, I mean, in terms of this contract, I really don't see his age to be an inhibitor at all. What are your yeah, thoughts yeah. on uh, Rick Wagner? Oh, yeah, I forgot Rick Wagner just got released. Uh, He'd be a great person to bring in if he's cheap because I think he'd be a good swing tackle. What, In my opinion, you always want to have a swing interior offensive lineman and a swing tackle as a backup. And he could start at right tackle if the draft falls that way. But I think with Wagner, it does the thing everybody talks about opening up the draft where we don't need the offensive tackle, but we could use one still because it's not like a Bobby Hart situation. It's... He's solid. He can start. I mean, that's basically I'm, his role last year. Right. I'm completely on board there because I know a lot of people are saying they want to open up the draft and not have to take an offensive tackle round one. Where you also don't want to be in a position where you can't take one round one. And I think if you sign a guy like Taylor Monton, uh, Trent Williams, Daryl Williams, even Russell Okung, I mean, you can't really justify taking a top five tackle when you just committed to a three, four, or five year contract with one of those guys. So I think I think Rick Wagner is a perfect a perfect option in that scenario, just because he's probably going to be cheap. I think he's going to make less than six million a year, and he's not necessarily a guy that can be touted as a franchise tackle, but he's definitely startable too. So I think that's if, if your goal is to open up your options for the draft, I think Rick Wagner is that guy. I'm not a big believer in opening up. So last year the whole thing was okay. Open up the draft. Second round, third round, we, we, need, we need to have options. And that's exactly what we did. It, because our free agent class last, uh, last spring, I guess, was – sorry. Us signing all of those guys in, the, in March last year let us draft three linebackers and a receiver in the second round because we fixed corner um, and we fix our, our, our strong safety position. So that that was good last year, but this year I I think we saw enough 
of what our, our team at full strength or what the Bengals team at, at full strength with Joe Burrow at quarterback really is. And it, it's a team that does not get pressure to the quarterback, and it's a team that does not protect the quarterback. So yeah. I'm not exactly sure what exactly we need to open because we know exactly what's wrong with this team. Like, we, we didn't know exactly what Joe Burrow was going to bring and how he was going to improve everyone else. Now we do. We know that he can perform with almost any receiver. We know that the defense was decent in money downs, but overall was not great. So get edge rushers, get offensive tackles. If the value's there, draft a, a, a receiver. But we, we don't need to sign an offensive tackle so we can then reach for a wide receiver when there's about 20 of them that are going to be there on days two and three. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm with you there. Um, you, I mean, I'm the biggest offensive tackle round one proponent there is. I think if it's not Sewell, it's Darisol. A lot of people disagree with me. I'm fine with that. But, I mean, I, I'm with you. Like, I, I'm just kind of trying to speak from the perspective of, hey, like, they want to open up the draft, fine. This is how you open up the draft. You don't open up the draft by signing Taylor Mullington. That's that's not opening up the draft. That's causing you to, to not take advantage of a strength of the class, which is offensive tackle. I mean, you, you know as well as anyone else, the, the strength of this class is an offensive tackle, edge rusher, and wide receiver. And I, I think – we need to attack free agency with that in mind. So sign the guard, sign the guard, draft the tackle. That's the, that's the thing I've been kind of pushing recently, but that's, that's what I got there. And uh, I would spend- sign, I, I would sign a corner too. If, if the value is there. In I would say especially, Jackson. especially sign the guard when both Thune and Scherf are the best. Well, I guess Trent's up there too, but they're, they're two of the three best offensive linemen free agents anyway. Exactly. Yeah, no, I'm I'm 100% with you there. I mean, it's not like we're overpaying the guard. And that, that's the thing you talked about earlier, Mike. You talked about how left tackles, and I mean tackles in general, really, but especially left tackles are going to be overpaid just because of the nature of the position. It's it's arguably the second most important position. They're going to be overpaid. They're going to be paid more than what they're worth. So I think guards is the opposite. Guards, not necessarily a valued position. But, I mean, to this offense, to this team, a team that just got Joe Burrow killed, it's very important to us. So I think you can sign the guard, the top three, top four guard in the draft, or not in the draft, sorry, in the, in the league, and you're still getting a relatively good value out of it. Yeah, I think if you sign the tackle in free agency, trying to get a guard in the draft, the guard class is not very good, in my opinion, and the tackle class is a lot better. So I think you're better off even with – I think you'd be better off even with like a second-round uh second round guard or second round tackle sorry i'm i'm not against a second round tackle by any means um but i mean you guys know me and darisol and sewell so but i mean this like i said the strength of this class is an offensive tackle and i think you can absolutely go into the draft not needing an an offensive tackle or needing an offensive tackle rather not taking one round one and still be fine i think Tevin Jenkins, I think Jalen Mayfield can all come in day one and be started. Yep. So I'm, I'm with you there. But also, now, I wouldn't say that that would be settling, but we were in a similar situation last year where the free agent tackle class outside of Jack Conklin was not great. There was not, like, we were like, okay, get either Glasnow or, sorry, Glas, Glasnow or Glasgow? Glasgow. Glasgow. Okay, so either him or Jack Conklin – Bengals whiffed on them. They both went day one, or they were signed on day one. The Bengals were left with their hands tied. 
not even coming close to addressing the offensive line in free agency. And they went the draft with a huge offensive line need. And they had a round one player on their board to open up day two. So like they were obviously going to take him and left the draft. With, with, and then another round one or at least round two player on the board to open up day three. So they got two steals in their opinion on day two and neither of which were offensive tackle. And they left the draft with a horrible, horrible, horrible offensive line. I just want to shout out uh, Brian Bulaga. Brian Bulaga was a great offensive tackle. I mean, he got hurt this year, which he gets hurt a lot. But I like him more than Conklin, to be honest, out of watching the tape. Yeah, I was a big Bulaga guy last year. If they were going to sign an offensive tackle, Bulaga was the one I wanted. I mean, I believe 2019, he was – I think PFF had him as, like, the best tackle in the league. And I believe – I mean, who was it? I think it was Football Outsiders or – Another one of those analytics-based uh, scouting things had him as, like, the the best tackle when it came to pass block win rate. And, uh, yeah, he was, like, he's top old. They were he, never going to sign him. He's really good. He's old, but, I mean, I think he's only, like, 33. Well, he was only 33 at the time. Let me look it up real quick. He's 31 right now. Yeah. yeah I was going to say, he wasn't that old. He would no, 30. He's, he's 31. He's going to be 32 next season. So, I, that was a move I was really pushing for last year. Um but, yeah, no, very good player, I agree. And it goes back a little bit, but um, when we talk about signing a top three guard, guard's the thing that got Burrow hurt in the end. On his plant leg, uh, John Allen got inside of Michael Jordan and bull rushed him into Burrow for, like, the 50th time that game. Yep. So, I mean, so the guard Sands, pass Sands, I have a I have a question for you, and since you are the in-house schematic analyst, what are your thoughts on the differences between Joe Thune and Brandon Scherf? Because Scherf is ultimately coming from uh, Washington, which is less zone, more of a manpower uh, blocking scheme. We are going to be probably running wide zone under under Frank Pollock. So Thune's coming from another zone zone blocking scheme. Scherf is coming from a manpower scheme. What are your thoughts on on how Scherf could translate to a wide zone scheme? And do you think that would be plausible? And if so would you take Sheriff over Thune? So I, I would personally take Thune. Um, I actually think Sheriff would be fine in a wide zone scheme, though. He's pretty scheme versatile. Um, and if you could think back just, what, last year, two years ago, he was under Brian Callahan. Or, no, sorry, Bill Callahan. <laughs> we, Bill we have Callahan. Brian. Yeah, he was under Brian. Uh, I said it again. He was <laughs> under Bill Callahan. <laughs> he was under Bill Callahan running the wide zone stuff. So... He's good at everything, and I think Thune's the same way. They come out there, and yeah, there's some zone runs, but with Cam Newton, they were running a lot of quarterback power, quarterback counter, and that's pooling guards. That's moving people vertically on gap schemes, and he excelled. They're both fantastic guards that are both scheme versatile to me. I think Scherf is a little bit more of a mauler type. He can get yeah, things going. Yeah, I mean, Scherf is definitely the better run, run blocker, in my opinion. But I think Thune's the better pass protector, sure. and I think that's more important. I mean, you could look back to the Super Bowl against the Rams where he played a big part in Aaron Donald getting zero sacks that game. Yeah, that's that's definitely important. And I think the reason why I've kind of been more – not more attracted to, to uh, Scherf because I, I think I do like Thune more. But the reason why I've been more open to Scherf over Thune is because – Something we really haven't talked about is the run game. I mean, the run game, yes, Mixon was hurt a lot last year, but even when he was in, he, he struggled. And I, I don't blame him. I blame the offensive line. But Scherf being on that right side where Mixon 
he excels and he's he's the best when running to the right having a guy like Scherf on that right side to kind of anchor that run game I mean you, you can look at Quentin Nelson and what he did for the Colts run game over there but I think Scherf could have a similar impact here and help Mixon in that regard which I mean a better run game indirectly helps Burrow uh, just because they don't really have to Teams don't really need to be ready for just the pass. I mean, last year they didn't really have to worry about the run game. Now they they might if they had sure. So that's my thought process there. And I would so let me say, take a long, deep yeah. thought and imagine Brandon Scherf right next to Penny Sewell running wide zone to the right. Oh. <laughs> that would be beautiful. And that's that's the other thing I want to talk about is because with Scherf playing right guard and Thune playing left guard, let's let's say they do say, hey, let's double dip a tackle. Then that gives Jonah Williams the ability to kick inside the left guard where otherwise he's going to be switching sides of the offensive line going to right guard which might not have as clean of a transition I will say this though um, and we can go back and forth about the differences but it really feels like the Bengals are going to sign Joe Thune like like I'm I'm a I have been a a believer in the saying like uh, uh, like avoiding saying, oh, we're going to get this guy, we're going to get this guy, we're going to get this guy. Because last last year, I knew we were not signing Conklin, and I knew we were not signing Corey Littleton. But it really feels like Joe Thune is going to be a Bengal. Like, it, I don't it know. Just... I, it really felt like we were going to get uh, Graham Glasgow last year. Like, I was so certain yeah. of it, and I, it didn't happen. I'm just like... Because of his brother. Yeah, yeah. Like, that, that made sense. But I, I just have a weird a weird feeling that Joe Thune is going to be a Bengal. Like, I, I really think it's going to happen. I'll say this. If, if they if they don't make any splash free agent signings at offensive line, I'm going to be so fucking mad. Like, yeah. I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, delete my account. I, I, I don't know. Like, it's... They can't get Burrow hurt again. That's... They, they need to protect Burrow. That needs to be priority A. To a transition right off of uh, Thune, maybe we could get him to come here, um, fill a hole by signing Demir Bird to be a fast wide receiver for us. You, you just, oh, I, I love, I love Demir Bird. Oh, yeah, goodness, yeah, I love I when things come full circle like that. Yeah, he's he's definitely a great player. He he played very well despite the quarterback controversy uh, in New England this year. And smaller guy, I think he's only like five eight, right? Uh, but he's I'm I mean, nine. despite that. 5'9", so yeah, 5'9", but I mean, he he's only pretty much only an outside wide receiver. I don't think he's played too much slot, uh, but he he's hard and strength, strong at the line of scrimmage, which is what helps him there. But yeah, no, I'd be all for that, especially if you can get him for like $4 million or less. 100% down. 100%. So let's, let's talk about defense. Um, now, we addressed free agency last year. That was all defense other than signing... Um, crap, what's the guy's name? I'm forgetting the name. The, the offensive guard from Dallas. Xavier Sufila. Z- I don't know why I forgot that. Um, <laughs> but every every free agent addition we made last year was on the defense. And we didn't address edge, which wasn't really a problem going into the year. Like I think we all can agree that going into the year, we all were comfortable with the with our defensive line, even though two of our depth guys opted out or were injured. Um, in Rennell Wren and uh, Josh Andrew Tupo. Brown, Dan Josh Tupo. So, ton of guys opted out on the D-line, but I think we all were comfortable with where our defensive line was. Hubbard got hurt, Dunlap wasn't really there, and then now we're left with Carl Lawson. So, 
who is a free agent. But Sands, talk about some of these edge guys because there's a ton of old guys who are on the market, but I, I don't think that's the direction they, they need to go. I think we're all for fix, uh, getting one edge rusher in the first three rounds, if, depending on the value. But like if the Bengals go edge in round two, I don't think any of us are, are, are going to be upset. Yeah, it's uh, to me, it's a big need. Um, I think Sam Hubbard's fine. He's better run stopper than he is a pass, uh, pass rusher. And actually, what's interesting with him is I think he's better rushing from a three technique on pass downs. He did a great job two years ago with Dunlap just running uh, stunts with him. Whether that he was crashing or looping, he did a really nice job working off of him. Um, so, yeah, we've got, like, the old guys, like Everson Griffin, Ryan Kerrigan, Alden Smith, Justin Houston, Marcus Golden, all interesting to me. They're all older. They're a stopgap. Give them a one-, two-year deal. See if they can uh, produce. I don't think any of them would be too expensive. If we wanted to get expensive, I mean, there are some pretty good guys around. I mean, there's Ngakwe, who's not going to give us much as a run stopper, but he's a great pass rusher. A guy I would love, I don't want to cut in real quick, but a guy that I think would be the best underrated, like kind of mid-tier free agent signing that could turn into a star is Trey Hendrickson. Uh, really? You, yeah. I've, oh, um, I've got, I think Trey benefit a lot off of uh, everybody else in the New Orleans D line. Yeah, that's, I mean, that, that's that what I'm wrong. thinking. No, I, I've, so, I've seen, I haven't watched too much film on him. I've watched maybe one or two games. But I, I've also seen a lot of the analytics say that, like, in terms of, like, pass rush win rate and, like, overall pass rushing efficiency, he's tops. He's near tops. I, I think I saw one one of the uh, NFL – not NFL fast art. Um, fuck. Uh, I forget who it was, but it was one of, like – I think it was stats by Lopez. He was posting, like, the pass rush win rate versus double team rate. And Trey Hendrickson was, like, the most double teamed and had, like, the third highest pass rush – pass rush win rate and uh i think he'd be a guy that i'd look at nothing like too expensive but i mean 12 million a year 10 million year one i i would consider that heavily i'll be rooting for him if we sign him um just off of what i watched i thought he benefited a bit from working with uh cam jordan and uh david on yamada and even Demario Davis is a really good pass rusher from his off-ball linebacker spot. Guy I'm interested in that I don't think will sign, but I'll talk about anyway is I think I don't think Olivier Vernon's going to get a lot of money, and I think he's still pretty good. He's just been a little injured, so that's one I'd be interested in looking at is getting Olivier Vernon onto our defensive line and getting him opposite Carl, who I think the rumor based off his Twitter would be that he got tagged. Yeah, I, I kind of agree there, and which is fine because the tag numbers this year are actually fairly low. I think it was fourteen point six million for edge rushers, which I mean he's probably only going to get it, like thirteen per year um, anyway. So I mean, yes, it hurts year one because if he were to sign an extension, his year one cap hit would have probably only been like ten million, maybe nine million. Uh, but I mean, in terms of average value, long term value, I mean fourteen point six 14.7 million whatever it is that's that's not a bad deal at all uh and kind of touching back to what you said about hubbard i i kind of agree i really like him rushing from that three tech spot long term i don't know if i like him there just because he weighs like 260 um so he's built like a linebacker but he's really he's he's 
a better pass rusher from the inside. So it's, he kind of puts us in a tough position there. I think on run downs, he's fine outside. He's actually a very, very good uh, defender against uh, zone run. zone options and stuff like that. He does a really good job to uh, squeeze and then pop back outside. He stopped Lamar a few times doing that. Yeah, I, 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 I think he is a very good run defender for sure. Pass rushing, I, I don't think he's in a second edge. I think he's a third edge in terms of a pass rushing guy. Uh, and I, I mean, I completely agree. I think we need to either sign one in free agency or get one day two of the draft. And I honestly get two of them day two of the draft. I, I love this edge class. I'm a big fan of it. The, the edge free agent class? No, the edge draft class. Oh, oh, this edge, this edge draft class is absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. Like there's, there's, I don't have it on top of my head, but there's my top 10, I think will all be, be at least second round grades for me. Second or early, early thirds. Like I, have, I, don't have, I have 16 top. top 80 grades. Wow. Um, let me, like, yes, I'm, I, I think I, I'm in a similar boat. Like yeah, it's, top, it's I, I, like, I have 14 with top 80 grades and two other ones that are top 100. Yeah, that's right. I think. Yeah. So I yeah. assume you guys are fairly against uh, signing an edge rusher and filling that. I'm not against. I'm not against it at all. I mean, I think they need to keep Lawson, but I mean, if I, I want to draft one, I think the value is in drafting one for sure. But if they went out and they and they spent a lot of money on a like a really good edge rusher or a, wow, like, really I good, have. On a, I have, on a middling guy, 100%, I'm there. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I have 12 edge rushers in my top 50. Yeah, that's that's about what, what I'm on par with as well. And it's it's crazy good. I mean, not a lot of guys. I mean, I wouldn't take a single edge rusher top 10 probably. but I, I agree. But, like, honestly, that's, per- that's perfect for us, though. Because last year, because, like, right now, the cornerback class is really good. That's because there's three, there, there, there's three arguably top ten players who are all corners. And after that, it's a bunch of depth guys who, yeah, a, a couple of them, like Tyson Campbell, could have a pretty high ceiling. But we're talking about this edge class being – there is probably not a top ten player in this edge class, but there's – 12 easy guys who are in the top 60 then and that's being nice yeah no I'm, I'm with you there for sure i mean everyone's talking about how this corner class is really good i mean we have to kind of take it into perspective of what the Bengals are going to do because yeah sure it's great up top but the Bengals, i mean i'm assuming they're not taking a corner up top so then we really need to look towards day two like okay what is what does this position look look like at day two and i think ace boogie who i, I respect the hell out of him he's a really good guy knows his stuff, but he's been telling me, like, oh, this edge class isn't good. Like, there isn't a single oh, guy here that's going to get 10 sacks year one. I'm like, well, yeah, Ace, that, like, right? yeah, you're not going to get 10 sacks year one. If you're going to – if you can guarantee me 10 sacks year one, that player is going top 10. Like, that's that's not a feasible criteria that you can give well, to every single prospect. What, but what I can say is there's – I mean, where the Bengals are going to draft an edge, day two, day three – it's as deep as any other position. I, I would as deep as the offensive tackle classes. I would say, day two and day three, edge class is the deepest position, one hundred percent. And we're talking about a team that, uh, like you might say, oh, they're not going to draft an edge, but yeah, they are. Twenty seventeen, they took two in the top four rounds. One of them didn't work. Jordan Willis was awful, and then Carl Lawson was drafted in the fourth, and then the next year they took Sam Hubbard in in the third. So exactly, yeah. They're not going to spend crazy resources on edge, but especially like they need to replace Carlos Dunlap, and they didn't do that. So, 
and they haven't done that yet. And it's a position that needs to be addressed because this is a guy who's been on the team for eight, for eight or nine seasons. They need to replace him. And there should be no reason to think that they're not going to do that. One thing that Joe Goodberry talked about, and I'm interested to hear uh, Mike's reaction to this and what he, his thoughts are, is that we are st- he, he, he implied, well, not even implied, he really just explicitly said it, that we are still in the middle of the transition between 4-3 and 3-4. And maybe it wasn't good beer. It was someone. It was a. It was a bigger, bigger name on Bengals Twitter. And I was thinking to myself, and I, I responded, I, I don't really see that because I, I think the difference between three, four, and four, three isn't really that much. Yes, I mean, there's different uh, techniques that are played along the off or on the defensive line rather. But at the end of the day, I mean, the edge players are pretty much going to stay the same. Like Lawson is going to go from defensive end to outside linebacker. Hubbard is kind of the only place where I'm kind of like pausing. But, I mean, Reader is still going to play that one-tech one role. We're still going to have Tupo to play that five-tech role. Right now we have Atkins playing that three-tech role. I really don't see a huge difference. And I think on the other off, off or outside linebacker, Akeem Davis-Gathier can kind of fill in that, that role as well, just as yeah. the kind of jack linebacker. So, Sands, what's your thought on that? I mean, do you think – do you agree with Joe that we're kind of in the middle of that transition, or do you think we're farther along than he's implying? Uh, I think we're further along from the switch from a even to an odd front. The only thing that I'm going to point out is that, yeah, we're a three, four odd front in general for a base, but really we moved to that four down, even nickel. Um, and we play more nickel than anything. So we're really still playing four down linemen for the most part. Yeah, so, I will say though, one thing I did like, and I was, I was doing some like uh, metrics last year and, before the season started, and our team was very efficient with in a five-two defense. They were extremely efficient. They they pass rushed very well. Last year we didn't have the the personnel to do that, so I'm not sure we ran that as much. But I mean, agree. Like I I don't think we're going to be in nickel a lot, so we really don't need to worry about linebackers, off-ball linebackers rather. I mean, we have Team Davis, here, Logan, Logan Wilson, Jermaine Pratt. Linebackers kind of set there. I think the only real thing that you need to attack is three technique. An edge rusher, but you would have to attack those anyway, even if we were still in a four-three base. So yep, that, that's was, kind of the thought process there. I was just going to say that. Uh, well, I'm hoping we sign Daniels again. I think he's a good three-tech, especially oh, on rundowns. Love, love him. And um, I would say the thing with the main switch that you need is that you need another inside guy. So yep. just thinking about it, your general four-down defense, and really a lot of teams will walk up a linebacker anymore, but. You got your seven tech, your three tech, one tech, and then a five, and then a linebacker off of that. For this, it's like a seven, and it could change. Just go with the bare front, seven, and then three, and then a zero or a shade, a three, and a seven again. And uh, a lot of teams are moving to that to stop the zone. I assume that's why. That's one of the reasons that Lou Anaruma wanted to move to a odd front defense. So when you think about that, what's the main difference there? You have an extra inside guy, an extra three tech. So even if we sign Daniels again, who's our other one? Tupo? I think Tupo's decent. But Tupo's it, a five tech. Tupo's a five? I yeah. don't kick him to three. I don't care. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so he's I, not a pass rusher, though. That's the issue. Like, Tupo can't pass. Tupo's not a pass rusher at all. No. Like, yeah, but we only play the, we only play the odd. I think a prospect at at three tech they have Ren. i think Ren is the guy that they kind of throw up there now but i mean he hasn't had much experience either but reno Ren was a guy who was deemed as maybe the seal of the draft when we took him in the fourth round yeah i was a big was a really, he was a really really good prospect like i th- i still think that was a good pick um yeah. 
It sounds exactly like Andrew Billings, so maybe he'll be good this year. No, yeah, literally. I mean, Andrew Billings was the same way, but but I think Andrew Billings was different because he was a one-tech, and everyone said he could be a really great three-tech, but the Bengals stuck him at one-tech still. They never really gave him a shot at three-tech. And I think Wren was the exact same story coming out of college, but I think they're giving Wren that that opportunity at three-tech. I think that's the key difference there. But I'm really hoping Wren can put it together because I I loved him coming out of college. Yeah, I know. I did too. But as far as, you know— we all talk about all the time about replacing player X. I don't think they're going to replace Geno Atkins because that's very hard to do. A guy who gets so many pressures a game and, and has been for the last nine years. I think they've honestly, they have a very solid IDL one in DJ reader and that oh, they yeah. might just kind of replace Geno as a committee. Like, 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 like maybe go, like going back a year, their, their, their thought process in signing DJ reader was not, to have him play with Geno Atkins was to maybe be a potential replacement and a, a a new staple on the on the defensive line when Geno eventually departs. Because when when DJ Reader signed, we were like, oh my god, Bengals have a top five IDL duo. That didn't happen because Geno was up and down this season with injuries and just not playing up to speed at, like he normally is. And then DJ Reader got hurt too. So maybe they, they just they're, they're going to do it by committee. Maybe they just go full nineties and roll out there with uh, two uh, two tech shading in. Maybe they just do that. That's actually hot right now. If you wanted to talk about that, <laughs> really? Yeah, the Titan Mint front uh, comes out with uh, you play like a five two two five. It's an even front, and then you have two linebackers off of it. Okay. Uh, sorry, no, that's a four i zero four i. My bad. <laughs> yeah, I was just saying that, that. Yeah, two four eyes is what I'm used to. Like two four eyes is what's big right now. Double um, interior. I've seen I've seen the two two eyes. That, that's not gone. Although they're not two nose tackles anymore. No, um, but yeah, I mean for sure. I, I think I, I don't think they go out there and replace Gino. I think that's going to be the position that's neglected this offseason. I'll, I'll say that. I think they do make offensive line a priority. I think they do bring on a wide receiver, whether it's uh, Ron one, two, three, or four in the draft, or if they sign a guy, uh, be that Curtis Samuel, be that Demiri Bird, be that uh, fucking Chris Conley. I, I think they address wide receiver too, and then I also think uh, they're going to address edge rusher. I think those are the three positions they're going to look at to address this year. I think DT is going to be one of the ones they put off to next year. I'm I'm with you 100% on that. Um, but I feel like that's fine. Like, we'd all be fine. Yes, get, Getting Jalen Twyman in the fourth would be an absolute dream. But when when we look at the shape of the roster, we have DJ Raider, who's still young, coming off of an injury that, yeah, is probably bad. But if he's fully healthy, it's not an injury that's going to affect him long term. Uh, and then a, a bunch of, of depth young guys who haven't had the chance to shine because our interior line has been pretty solid the last couple of years. So get um, Tupo in there. Get Rennell Ren in there, get DJ Reader back healthy, and address pass rush, which which I think they will. I would just uh, say, well, one, resign Mike Daniels again. And then yes. um, I would maybe look at somebody like Roy Robertson, Harris, or I don't know, Avery Jones, just somebody that if we have an injury, we have a run stopping stop gap in there. Not a big deal, not a long deal, but just somebody that you can throw out there and feel good about it. So we're not we're not bringing somebody off the street again. 
I mean, you got to remember though they are they are getting Ronald Ram back. They are getting Tupou back. I think they could easily sign like a Christian Covington back or a Xavier Williams back. I think that's going to be a thing they offer. Like, I, I don't see them passing DT in free agency at all. I mean, I, I, like, I like Covington. Like, like they have all these just random guys that I keep forgetting. Like, like Covington Williams, I forgot about them. Um, shit, what's what's the guys who they signed, um, who they drafted like eight years ago and they brought him back? What's the guy's no. name? Chris Crocker. No, Marcus no, Mar- Marcus Hunt. It wasn't eight years ago. Oh, I, 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 yeah, like, like, like they have a bunch of guys who who we just forget about. I think who are most there. Of free agents is one reason. Yeah, I know. No, that's that's true. But like, I don't. I I, I feel like they're going to be more prone to just re-signing most of those guys, including Mike Daniels. I I, I do think Mike Daniels is going to re-sign. I I I, I think he he enjoyed his time there, and other than losing a bunch of games, but um, yeah, like I would just say that's, that's a position that's fine if they don't 100% address, like if they focused with tackle wide receiver and edge and do all the, the necessary and right things in addressing those positions, then I would be fine if, 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 if IDL is not addressed. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there and kind of circling back to the offensive side of the ball. Blake, what are some of the wide receivers you really like? And before you answer, your echo is so bad just now, bro. Like, we gotta, we gotta fix that. But, that's uh, uh, that's why I haven't been talking. I'm a little, I'm a little worried about it. No, there you go. You're, it's like right at the beginning is when it's really bad. But no, right now you're you're fine right now. So it's it's better. No, um, you're you're fine now. I think it's just at the beginning when you talk. But yeah, no. So what are some wide receivers you like in the, in free agency? I'm I'm starting to get on the bird train with you. I like him a lot, and uh, you know, Curtis Samuel's more obvious one. But I don't really know how. Um, I don't really know how throwing money at a receiver like that. Uh, I think that, I think they'd be better off with like a bird. Or I really like Josh Reynolds too. I think Josh Reynolds yeah. would be an amazing. I, I like him a lot. I think if you can get him, I don't think he's going to be very expensive. I think that uh, if you can sign him to Josh Reynolds, he's probably my favorite out of all the. Uh, receiver options so I really like Josh Reynolds and then uh, I like there's in the in the draft there's a lot of uh, you know speed guys in the later rounds I think you can add uh, in the late rounds of the draft just to you know add more speed to the wide receiver group as a whole and I think if you get somebody like Josh Reynolds and then uh, it would kind of depend what you do in offensive line but I think uh, I think and you don't go wide receiver early I think you can get like a Josh Reynolds and then a uh, you know a deep threat later in the later in the draft i think that improves the wide receiver group as a whole i think that i think that does a lot for the group my only worry with reynolds and that what what are your thoughts on like where he plays at wide receiver because to me coming out of college i was a big fan of reynolds loved him uh but he was more of an x receiver to me i didn't really see him playing that zero he's not really a a burner i don't see him to be a great separator he he seems to me to just be a a faster version of of Alden Tate, not not. I don't. I don't want to say that because he's a lot better than Alden Tate. He's more dynamic than Alden Tate is. But in terms of his his role in this offense, I, I think he would he'd be an X receiver. That's that's what I see. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I kind I kind of agree with you there. I don't think that. I think if you get like a Josh Reynolds, I don't think. Uh, I think you still have a need for a deep threat, but I think I think he kind of. I think he can kind of move over to that Z position and kind of transfer. You know, keeping T. Higgins at uh, at at X, and I think that 
you're still going to need more speed, uh, you know, eventually to find it. I think that, I think that bird is kind of a better option if you're wanting, if, if you're just looking for a deep threat in free agency, just somebody faster. I think Reynolds is just, I think he might be just the better overall receiver than bird. He, so I would uh, say this now, Hang on. Um, so I would I would say this about the wide receiver room. A lot of people say, oh, we need a wide receiver three. Some people say we need a wide receiver one. Some people like myself and Jay say we need a Z. I'm just going to say this. We just need a weapon. Like Burrow needs, I think, one more weapon. Now, I've been in the boat for a while saying, okay, right now we have a great X. We have a great slot, which I guess would be Y. Uh, we have a great A running back. Burrow has almost the entire alphabet which is exactly what he did at LSU. So they're very close to replicating that. But I would just say that they need a weapon, which is why I am on the Kyle Pitts train at five. Yeah. Just yeah. get him a weapon. So yeah, so Reynolds is a weapon. He's not necessarily a deep threat. He's not necessarily a Z, but he's a weapon. He is a wide receiver three that the Bengals probably need, and he fits that role. Is it a perfect fit? No, but... He's, a, he's a, another body. He's young. He was productive last year in a very crowded wide receiver room. Um, and, like, yes, they, they just need a weapon is, is, is what I would say. Kind of going off with that reasoning, I guess we're kind of going to a different topic here, but, like, that's kind of why I'm more content with Jamar Chase than I was a couple weeks ago, even though I don't like Me the fans. I, I like Jalen Waddle. I think, you know, I've said this before, uh, you got Tyler Boyd, you got T. Higgins, you got Jamar Chase. You know, that's a tough task for a defense to guard all three of them, even though they, you know, you don't have a lot of speed there. That's just, it's going to be hard for an, for a defense to be able to guard all three of those guys. As pointed out, Jamar Chase and uh, Josh Reynolds probably best suited at the X role. But to me, that doesn't really matter too much. I, I'm a proponent of uh, throwing T. Higgins over to the Z sometimes. You can put him in the slot sometimes. You move him around. I mean, Devontae Adams probably plays 40% of his routes and runs his routes out of the slot. Tyreek Hill's always playing inside. You, a lot of these smart coaches are moving their guys around, so you're not just sticking them. That's our ex. He's going to play on the ball over there. Uh, this is Tyler Boyd. He's zebra. He's playing right in the slot off of that. Um, and then getting into stacks where, like, none of that even matters. There's not – who's the slot in the stack? Is it the point man, the guy behind? Neither one gets a – they both get free releases. So – I think Z is just the word that I'm using to kind of – I'm using the stereotype that's tied to Z. I'm not necessarily saying they always right. have to play to Z. Gotcha. I, I, think, I think I just – I want to see a separator. I want someone that separates. And because... I, I think that's my – that's my, the thing I want. And I, I agree with Blake. I'm 100% not 100%, but I'm more okay with Chase than I was a month ago for that very reason. I mean, I think at the end of the day – Chase will be a productive wide receiver. Yes, he's five foot eleven, but he's going to be productive. <laughs> he's um, he's going to be a productive receiver. I, I think that's going to be okay. I don't think it's the best for this team at all. I think I have an idea that I'm kind of blocked to just because I'm stubborn. I, I think we need to do whatever we can to maximize the the output of this offseason. And I, I think that comes with not taking a wide receiver round one. But I mean, I, I don't think it's the end of the world if we do by any means. I third that uh, I was against Jamar Chase for the last couple months. I, I, I still am, but look, he's not going to be a bust here. Like, Burrow's going to find ways to get in the ball. He's he's probably going to be an 80 to a 90 catch guy as early as year one, probably. Um, 
So, yes, he, he will be productive, but I still abide and I still will die on this hill that if they take Jamar Chase with Panay Sewell on the board, that's, it, that, that's an organizational statement and decision that should get somebody fired. If it fails. Yeah. I mean, if it works, you know, nobody cares. <laughs> I, I, it's going to work. I, only, if it, only if it works. No, no, not if it fails. If it works, then fine. Only if it works will that statement be wrong. Yeah, I, I, I think that if Sewell and Chase are both, Sewell has to be the pick. And if he's not, I think that they're, it, I mean, going back to free agency depends a little bit more uh, on what happens in free agency. But Sewell's, I mean, at least in my opinion, Sewell's the better player, um, you know, pretty clearly. I think Jamar Chase is really good, but I, you know, Panay Sewell, I think he fixes a lot of problems that Bengals have right now. Everybody's been anti-Chase, I just want to throw out there. Chase is my wide receiver one, but, uh, yeah, Sewell's, uh, Sewell might be the best prospect in the draft for me. Um, real quick, though, off that is uh, one thought is that we might not keep William Jackson. I haven't seen much on it. So do you guys, are you yeah. guys more a proponent of trying to get a stopgap like, I don't Slide know. <laughs> well, yeah, but are you thinking of getting a stopgap like uh, McCourty? Or would you want to? take a shot on somebody like Gary and Conley or Shaq Griffin. Shaq Griffin was pretty good two years ago, but he was bad last yeah. year. Shaq Griffin. I would love that, Gary that's, so, that's really hard. Like if, if the Bengals let, let William Jackson go, that's a very tough position to fix. Because we don't know anything about I Terry Wayne. Let him go. I, if, I, one, I don't think he's leaving. I think, they made it clear I, yeah. in the season that they like him. And they, I mean, at the beginning of the season, they said, hey, he has stuff to prove. But when asked about him later on, they said, we love him. He's been great this year. We want to bring him back. And essentially, I mean, to paraphrase, I, I think he stays. However, if, if he does walk, I, I think that's going to be something they they really don't address until the draft. I think that's going to be the nightmare scenario where they trade back and draft certain. <laughs> wow. But, but no, seriously, like looking at that, yes, that's not the that, that's not the direction we want to go. But the top five, maybe even top six corners in football all went in the first round. So like history tells you that if if you want a CB one, you better draft one in the first round. Like you, you can't get cornerback ones on day on late day two, early day three, unless it's a miracle wish upon a star magic in a bottle. Like if 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 the Bengals lose William Jackson and want a true cornerback one, which is the direction they might want to go, then, yeah, like, that's fine. It's not what, what we want to do. Like, I think – I'm not going to sit here and say that that's depressing. Like, that's just that, – that's a bad direction. But – I am. Yes. <laughs> but, I, like, I like the idea of franchise tagging him, see how he does this year. Yeah. No, and I, then I, next I, year I really, you can use your first-round pick on a corner if you need to. Yeah, and I know we've been assuming that Lawson got the franchise tag. If if they did tell him that early on, I'm very against that. I think that's unless they have something agreed with uh, William Jackson in principle. I'm so against like deciding on using the franchise tag that early on because you don't know what's going to happen. You want to keep both of them. I think their goal is to keep both of them. So I, I think tagging someone, telling him that you're going to tag him that early on, is just counterproductive. I think you need to leave yourself open to options as long as you can going into yeah. the offseason. Yep, from the Bengals' side, I think they're just thinking, if they tag Lawson, it's just, well, this is your first healthy year. Let's see you do it again. Yeah, I, I completely agree, but I feel like, I don't know, I feel like the tag should be used as something that's more, 
That's I feel like they're like not, a trial. Like not even a trial. No, I, I think in this case we know how good they are, and like yeah, I, I think they should use it as hey, we want to keep both. We want to do whatever we can to keep both. I think my personal opinion is they're going to be able to agree to an extension with at least one of them. Once they agree to an extension with the one, tag the other one. That's that's how I would yeah. approach. Now I'm maybe more... they know more than I do because they definitely do. They're the they're the Bengals. I'm not related to the Bengals at all, but that's how I would approach it. Yeah, I'm I'm a lot more comfortable signing Lawson to a multi-year and then tagging William Jackson. I think that's I, I, yeah, a I better move. Like, just age-wise, I think. Uh, yeah. Will's Will's 28 right now, I think. Which that's 29. There. He's going to be 29 next season. Yeah, that's getting up there in years. So I'm not even sure about signing to like a five-year deal. Three oh, years sounds good, know. but three years sounds good. I would not even consider a five-year deal with Jackson. I'd say, see ya. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. Like five years I'm, with Jackson. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna bring up earlier, you know, when my mic was all echoing, I was gonna say Gary on Conley. I like him as a free agent target because I mean we don't really know anything about Trey Wayne's either. I mean he could come back and just be awful, or you know, or he could be good. It's just kind of he missed the whole entirety of last season. He's getting a lot of money, and you know I wouldn't even be. I mean it's a little bit questionable put putting that much money into the cornerback position, but I wouldn't be like against getting Conley and still keeping William Jackson? Because I think there's a lot of question marks over the cornerback position for the Bengals as a whole, at least right now. I'll just say off of that, um, one, Gary and Conley comes from a similar system to this, uh, cover one man match, uh, single high stuff. So he's he, he'll, be, he'll fit right in, uh, even if he hasn't been that great so far. There was high hopes. He was a first-round corner. And then second, you can never have too many corners. We were starting Quentin Rose, and I can't name the other ones. Winston Rose and uh, Jalen Davis. Jalen Davis. Jalen Davis. Tony, Tony Brown. Oh, my God. Tony Brown. Brown's well, Sean Sims, I think. Come get yeah, well, Sean Sims was probably the worst, in my opinion. Sims was 100% the worst. Sims was our cornerback five, though. He wasn't supposed to do that. I mean, well, yeah, but, I mean, just watching him play was just painful. Yeah. But I, I think we had a good episode today, guys. Um, once again, we want to thank our listeners for tuning in. Make sure you follow all of us on our social medias. If you want to uh, get those social medias, go ahead and listen to the intro again. Uh, we're also going to have a link tree set up eventually. Um, probably going to be included in our bio. Um, but, yeah, make sure you follow, follow us, guys. We thank our sponsor, Big Heads Media. And this is going to be it for this inaugural episode of Who Day Talk. So we'll see you guys hopefully next week, maybe earlier. I know uh, a big reason why we brought on uh, Jake, Blake, and Mike is to have more episodes, to give you guys more content. So we will definitely keep you guys up to date there. And with that, uh, let's get a Who Day from everyone, and we'll see you guys next week. Who Day. Who Day. Who Day.